Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. Final hour of the program. Tonight we have the huddle 6-8. All NFL all the time, including the Packers. We'll hear from inside the Packers locker room. Matt LaFleur, Jordan Love, Mike Clemens going to be joining us. Look around the rest of the NFL. Make our picks. Looking forward to that. Um, here's something. I was just talking about to the, uh, the Michigan situation and Jim Harbaugh. Now, they have a court hearing on Friday. Uh, they're taking this thing to court, okay? They want uh, a temporary restraining order that would reverse the three-game suspension from the Big Ten. Tony Patini, uh, obviously, uh, Patetti, um, suspending Harbaugh. Okay. So they want to go to court now. They're taking this thing to court instead of just taking their punishment. Here's my thing. If, if I'm Tony Petitti, Petitti, how do you pronounce it, Grant? Petitti? Oh, I'm the wrong person to ask. Uh, I think it's Petitti. I, I am no Ben Kenny with my college football knowledge, but I think you're correct. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, they're going to go uh, before a judge and they're going to plead their case and they're going to want a temporary restraining order against Tony Petitti and the uh, Big Ten for suspending Jim Harbaugh for three games. Here's here's what I the way I would position it. I would say, yeah, we're going to go. And if you win this, that's fine. But if it's then found out that you did indeed do all of this, we are then going to come down harder on you. We'll double down on everything. So you better be a million percent sure that your hands are clean. Otherwise, we are going to hammer you when it's time to hammer you. And then see what I just can't believe Michigan's just not taking their punishment. I don't see what they see differently than whatever because I know that, you know, Connor Stallion just said, Well, the coach didn't know. How could the coach not know? And first of all, it doesn't matter. It's still institutional control. I mean, that's you know, if if even if the coach doesn't know and players are receiving money in cars and all that kind of stuff back in the day, the coach still got suspended and or blown out because it's a lack of it's called a lack of institutional control by by the NCAA so Harbaugh waiting to find out on Friday and then uh if indeed because they're on the road at Maryland this weekend Michigan is and if Michigan would win is Harbaugh is he or is he not coaching which would be his 1000th career win as a head coach but but they're saying that he needs to be on the sideline for this. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Sharon Moore right now, the interim head coach, he's the guy that directs everything. But Harbaugh's allowed to coach the team all the way up until game time. So I don't know what the big deal is. But Moore could actually be acting as the head coach when the 1,000th career win for Jim Harbaugh could happen. Or for the Wolverines, for the Wolverines, not for Jim Harbaugh, for for the Wolverines. They want him on the sideline for that. I'm like, I you got bigger fish to fry, man. You are uh, heading into, um, you know, the big game against Ohio State, Big Ten Championship if you win that, you know, possibly being in the college football playoff, which I, which I would assume they would be, and they're worried about their 1,000th win and for Jim Harbaugh to be on the sideline for that. Just – just a, a, a bizarre scenario, and I, I just I just can't see what Michigan is seeing. Like if they're believing their own crap or what. I, I just 
Am I wrong here? Am I missing something? Michigan right now third in the college football playoff rankings. Am I missing something here, Grant? No, they're trying to win a national title. So they're going to say what they think their their players need to hear, what the rest of the country needs to hear, what the Big Ten, what the NCAA needs to hear to to at least keep them clean the rest of the year and, and to not get in the way of them trying to win a title or, or at least make a college football championship game, which they didn't do last year. They came up short. So, no, they, yeah. they don't believe it. But I, I think college football coaches and programs preach all sorts of messaging and say all sorts of things that may or may not be true. But it's, you know, it's the voice that the kids need to hear, the rest of the country, the, the committee needs to hear. You say what people need to hear. 877-867-1670. Here's the other thought. Georgia jumps Ohio State, and I know Ohio State fans are pissed off, but shut up. Uh, they they dump-trucked, dump-trucked Ole Miss, 52-17. I mean, they beat the hell out of them. And Georgia is now on a, on, a, on a mission statement. While Ohio State, they're good. I don't think they deserve to be the number one team in the country. I think Georgia does until somebody knocks them off. So uh, they beat uh, in, in Georgia just a couple of weeks ago. I think it was – uh, was it Missouri? Um, or this past weekend, uh, let's see here. Ole Miss, 52-17, they beat this past weekend. I think it was Missouri the weekend before that. And Missouri was, at, uh, what, they were ranked two, top ten. And it's been a while since Missouri's been up there, but they were ranked top ten. But I don't have a problem with no- – now here's where I think it gets intriguing, is right now with – Georgia being number one and Ohio State being number two, Michigan number three, and Florida State being number four. And you got Oregon and Washington on the outside looking in. Um, I think what they're they're gauging for is the fact that Ohio State and Michigan, if it would remain like this, would then be pitted against one another in the college football playoffs. However, it's going to – I don't care where they place them right now because it's going to work itself out. Because Ohio State and Michigan are going to face each other in just a couple of weeks. So I, that's going to work itself out. And what's going to happen is, depending on who wins that game and or how bad the beatdown actually happens, is you could say, we'll say Ohio State moves from second to fourth, or Michigan gets beat, falls out of the top four, and then in slides, say, Washington or Oregon. And then you don't have to worry about that in any case anyway. So in Michigan, if they get beat, they're going to scream that this was all a conspiracy and they've get, they've gotten screwed. And you don't need to look anywhere else but in your own backyard. And that's what drives me nuts about this whole thing. This isn't like the uh, the NBA when they pulled Scottie Pippen off the plane, or Scottie Pippen, Scotty uh, Williams off the plane during the Eastern Conference Finals for Game 7 going to Philadelphia. You know, that was that was like, this is ridiculous. There's no reason to be doing that. He It wasn't a flagrant. And what, he should have never been called on that, that technical. It was, it was garbage. But they did it. And it's, it's, we all know it's because they wanted L.A. and Philadelphia, two of those big markets in those, that NBA Finals. And had Glenn Robinson hit the shot, it still would have been Milwaukee. But he didn't. And, and by the way, as someone that listens to a lot of NBA, national NBA podcasts, Everyone says that. That's not just a Wisconsin-Milwaukee perspective. Right. That's national right. oh, no, belief I that that was the case. Absolutely. They wanted to see Allen Iverson and what, what he brought to the table as a superstar against Shaq and Kobe. That's what they wanted, and that's what they got. And then all the rest is history. I mean, it, we all knew that the Lakers were the better team at the time anyway. So, But you got Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, 
Washington and Oregon, followed by Texas, right behind them. Oregon with one loss, Washington undefeated at 10 and 0. So the top five teams are all undefeated at this point. But that will change because Ohio State and Michigan are going to play one another. So there you have it. Uh, and then the flying ointment still could be if Florida State gets knocked off at some point. I don't know if it's going to happen, but if Florida State got knocked off, then that would bounce them as well. You could still see a change in the in the bottom. I think the front, top two, whether it's uh, Georgia, Michigan, or Georgia, Ohio State, the top two are going to remain the same. I think the the three, four, and five, even six, could still vary. Could still vary. And don't forget, lurking on the outside is a nine and one Alabama team, and they would love nothing more than to have Alabama make its way back into the Final Four. That committee would love nothing more. If Texas got beat, Oregon goes down, Washington takes a loss, then Alabama over the next couple of weeks could sneak in. That's that's I think they're hoping for that. Uh 877-867-1670-877-867-1670 if you want to hit us up. Feel free. Um take your phone calls. Uh Jack says going to the game in a couple of weeks uh, what area is there to eat in the Deer District? Are uh, you more familiar with that area than I am? Uh, yeah, there. Well, in the Deer District, um, you know, there's you know places to get bar food. I guess if that's what you're looking for, uh, the trade uh, across the street just opened up. That's good if you're looking for a, a nice place to go. I haven't been there yet, but I heard it's fantastic. Carson's Prime Steakhouse is another place that's just a block away. The steakhouse right there and barbecue and such. Uh, down the road, I've always recommended Calderon Club and San Giorgio. That's right there. Uh, if you're looking for more bar food, you've got uh, the Third Street Tap Tap Room, or uh, you've also got um, the Milwaukee Broadhouse is right through there. Um, there's quite a few places that if you're looking for food down there, I mean, you always have Goolsby's. Goolsby's is down in the corner. You know, if you're looking for Thai food, you can go to the King and I. That restaurant's down there. So there's, you know, all within two, three blocks of the place. So anyway, hopefully that helps. Hopefully that helps. Uh, 877-867-1670. What does this say? Um, Michigan is using the the Trump strategy. Ah, no. No. They just got, they they got flat out busted. Uh, Mark says players want to play for him. Um, yeah, well, look, there, I, I am not, by the way, for those that are starting to bring up the statistics for Harbaugh cheating before and after, I'm not saying that's the reason Michigan suddenly got good. I know ESPN's brought it up numerous times and said, look, prior to the cheating and prior to Connor Stallions and then after Connor Stallions, they went from being a team in which Harbaugh was about ready to be fired to a team that's been a perennial powerhouse ever since. He changed kids, got his program indoctrinated, got his coaches set. And things just began to click. He finally had it, it total, totally wrapped his arms around that organization. And you just get some good players. It, it's, it, it's, it's, how do you say this? Um, I just, I think Harbaugh is a good coach. I just do. And I'm not taking that away from him. What I'm saying is, is just simply they cheated. That's it. They just cheated and you got busted. I'm not saying that all your success is because of it. The same way I would never say that the only reason Brady was good or the only reason Brady and Belichick were good was because of Spygate and Deflategate, whatever gate you happen to throw at him at the time. I, I'm not saying that either. 
There was a lot there. I think it was a witch hunt, but it just gained so much traction. The media got so involved. Everybody started questioning everything. The you know the the biggest problem with the Spygate and the Deflategate thing for for Brady anyway was the destruction of his own phone. That it just didn't seem right. Just didn't, it didn't make sense at the time. But you know I I'm, I would never take away their success. I know some people want to and they want to label it as cheaters that that ended up winning. Same thing with the Houston Astros. You know, yeah, you can kind of know what's coming, which gives you an edge, and I don't deny that one bit. You still got to put bat to ball. Still got to get good pitching. You know, and they did that. Do I think it's tainted a little bit? Absolutely. But would I take it away from them? No. No. I think it sucks, but I wouldn't take it away from them. Because you're always going to wonder in the back of your mind how good they really were, and that's what the problem is right now with Michigan. Because people are wondering how good really are they. Well, they went out and won big last week. They should probably win big this week against Maryland. And I'll be quite honest with you. I think they still beat Ohio State. I don't think Ryan Day is that great of a coach. I think he's he's a guy that wins his, you know, wins his 11 games, loses to Michigan, co- complains and bitches about it, and ends up on the outside looking in and goes to some kind of a prominent bowl but is not going to get the national title because I just I I think he's going to screw it up. He had a shot last year and screwed it up, and it was coaching. Down the stretch, it was coaching. It was his own coaching. It was his own fault. So that's kind of where I'm at on all of that. 877-867-1670. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Everywhere you look, from groceries to utilities to gas, prices keep going up. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin can dramatically help lower your energy costs year-round by replacing drafty windows and doors in as little as six weeks. And now you can save even more by taking advantage of no interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Bring the love of Wisconsin's outdoors in through the beauty and quality craftsmanship of Pella Windows and Doors. Whether you're updating or upgrading the look and comfort of your home, Pella has extensive lines of customizable options to meet your needs and your budget. Replacing drafty windows and doors can dramatically lower your energy costs. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin offers some of the most energy efficient windows in the industry. 0% interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November. 30th. Set your free in home consultation today at PellaWI.com. Welcome back to the program. Bill Michaels show. We continue on this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at quick trip. Love quick trip. Always do. Always love going in there. I was in there this morning. As a matter of fact, uh, gas has gone down, which has been nice. So I took uh, the opportunity cause I never know when it's going to go back up again. So I filled up today, ran in and grabbed a couple of things, needed a, a half gallon of milk, uh, just because I don't drink as much as I used to, uh, grab some of the, uh, grab some of the OJ, and uh, out the door I went. It's just so convenient. It just is. Uh, the one, the one downside to it is that so many people go there. The the uh, station that I go to, which is just down the street from me, it's always just packed. It's so crowded. 
So, which is great. It's because everybody loves that business, but that's just how good they are. Quick, it's our friends at Quick Trip. And, you know, there's certain nights where you're busy, you're running around, you're thinking, man, I need something to eat. You just go in, you pull up one of those take-home meals or even their uh, fried chicken, which is just as good as many of the fast food restaurants. I mean, I'd put it up against any of them. Just getting some of that fried chicken is fantastic. Awesome stuff. So go in and try it, whether you're going in for the milk, the bread, the eggs, the butter, the bananas, or you're going in there for some tailgate fare, or like me every now and then when you're out on the run and you just grab a take-home meal, always good to go. That's our friends at Quick Trip. So we were talking earlier uh, about, you know, player impact players. Let's call them impact players. You know, not necessarily even game changers, but impact players and who the Packers have. And Rashawn Gary seems to be, every time we bring this up, seems to be one of them. And an interesting story in the athletic uh that was written by uh, Matt Schneidman uh as well but some of the stats for for Rashawn Gary Grant you you've kind of got this yeah well I think you know for a long time with Rashawn Gary you know Packers fans have cited well he gets you know the most pressures and he's always impacting the play and and a lot of the underlying numbers have been really good and that's fine like I'm not anti analytics I realize that pressures and some of these underlying numbers are really really important but at some point Bill like you're watching a Packer game and you want to see him making plays on the screen and feel like Rashawn Gary's making an impact right so mm-hmm. that's what Matt Schneidman wrote about today I have some numbers that I can share with you over Do the it. last month this is the first little tidbit I saved this is from Matt Schneidman you should read his story over the last month Rashawn Gary has had more face mask penalties than sacks, uh, and the only sack that he's had has been negated uh, because of an offsides penalty when he lined up. I think that was against the Rams. I think that was early on. There are 181 players with at least half a sack over the last four weeks. Rashawn Gary is not one of them. So he's been really not doing much of anything over the last couple of weeks. And Matt Schneidman mm. wrote about this today. And I was yeah. Like, Some t- about, about damn time somebody else said this, okay? Yep. He, uh, this is the reason when I say, who are the impact players? This is one of your impact players. Now, what do you say about Rashawn Gary and coming back this season? And this, this was about the time that I figured he'd be coming back from the injury from last year. So do we chalk it up to trying to come back from injury and the surgery? Could, Do you just say, could, you know, it was just a down season for him? It could totally be the case. And and one of my favorite parts about this article is Schneidman, right from the jump, said, hey, he came back faster than anyone expected, looks better than anyone expected. He deserves all the credit in the world for that. Um, in terms of playing time, because he, he started early this year, they were ramping him up very slowly. The last four weeks, he's played 68%, 64%, 62%, and 68% of the snaps, which is substantial. That That's taken a big jump. And that could be mm-hmm. part of it is that he's just not 100% fully back to health yet. Right. Schneidman also noted in the story, Max Crosby plays 98% of the snaps, TJ Watt, 84 and Miles Garrett, for example, 81%. And those guys are the best of the best, but that's the group that you want Rashawn Gary to, you know, at least on the fringe, you want him to be a part of that group. Right. Completely agree. So the, when you look at the, when you look at the story and you look at Rashawn Gary's productivity, and the fact that Preston Smith's productivity is down. It's hard to understand. It's easy to understand why they're not in the top 10. It's hard to understand why the drop-off. Now, with Rashawn Gary, I understand it. But 
Is it because Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith have to work in tandem? Is it because they've been banged up in the, in the middle linebacking core? Because we know Devondre Campbell's been banged up pretty much since the beginning of the season. And then you had Quay Walker down. Is it because the secondary hasn't been as good as build and no Jair and such? I mean, why is there a drop in productivity? Not out of just Rashawn Gary, but it kind of seems like the sack numbers, the turnover numbers, all of that overall. Why is there such a... You know what I mean? So you start asking those questions. And is it, do you go back to where Matt LaFleur is defending the philosophy of the defense? Or do you look at the guy calling the play saying, hey, we're not doing enough, dialing up enough, whatever you happen to want to call it, because I don't want to get the terminology wrong because that's maybe not what they call it in the (laughs) league. But where do you look at and say, hey, you know, everybody's having a down year. Why are they? Why collectively are they having a down year? Well, this is a defense, and we can get in the weeds on lingo and packages, and, and but we don't need to. This defense, Bill, and, and you can see this just on the screen. You don't need to be a football expert. This defense is designed to not give up big plays. This is not a defense that's aggressively trying to force turnovers and aggressively trying to force negative plays. They're just trying to hold water and tread water. You know what I mean? So that's probably part right. of it. Um, Rashawn Gary, and my favorite part about this story is Matt Schneidman went through all the uh, the reps and, and counted, okay, he was double teamed this many times. Uh, th- this was a, a run play, so this doesn't count. He had 92 true pass rushing opportunities over the last month and was double teamed or chipped on only 22 of them. So it's not like, you know, Kenny Clark or Aaron Donald, these guys notoriously are double teamed every play. He has opportunities to rush the passer. He's just not making any right. plays. And that's not just him. It's Preston Smith, too, but... The Packers didn't just commit to Preston Smith for a lot of years and a lot of millions of dollars. Completely agree. And for what Rashawn Gary's done, he certainly earned the contract. But it's it's you don't what the one thing you don't want to think is oh my god he got his money and now, you know, he's taking it easy or something or the aggressiveness or the tenacity is not going to be there because you you know, you're just like oh my god you know you just you threw bad money down the drain you know <laughs> but let me say this though. Uh, I still think about it as why collectively are they all down? That, and that, that's what bothers me. Why collectively is this group down as a whole? And is it, you know, because you always say, well, just do your job. And if Rashawn Gary's not doing his job and Preston Smith isn't doing his job and Kenny Clark and up front, they're getting double teamed and they can't do their job. I mean, I can understand it. But – Again, I go back to, is there talent on the field? And going by what you just stated, when it's the, hey, don't let anything get behind you. Don't give up the big plays. Yeah. Do they have the talent to play aggressive in your eyes? Oh, that's a good question. Not right now. Not without Jair and not without Quay Walker. I, and, and probably not without Rasul Douglas. No. So I, this defense is caught in limbo. They're, they're caught in this very awkward middle ground where they've invested in personnel, but their personnel still isn't that great, and they're good enough to hang with some of these bad offenses, but they really can't hold a candle to Detroit or or even a team like Minnesota before Kirk Cousins got hurt. This defense is just in a really uncomfortable middle ground. And in Mm -hmm. a year like this, I would almost rather the bottom fall out because they're basically rebuilding. You know what I mean? Like, I would have rather just moved off from Joe Barry and started over. This kind of feels like a wasted year for the defense. It, It just does. And, and I don't in any way want to talk, uh, uh, you know, about the rebuild process. But, uh, you know, I, I think at this point in time, you kind of have to look at it and say, okay, if you don't believe you have the talent, talent to play aggressively, then how good is the talent that's actually on the field? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you have to ask it again. 
I, I, I give. We, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, Goody, like he made a plan for this year with a couple of veterans and a couple highly paid players, and most of those veterans and or highly paid players have either gotten hurt or not performed. So I'll give Goody a little slack. I think his plan coming into the year was better than what we've seen. A lot of that, a lot of their top guys just haven't performed. The plan, and I agree with you, the, the the plan was to have certain players in position to make plays, and obviously on one side of the ball you lose Bakhtiari and you kind of you, you hope with him on a wish and a prayer, and you couldn't get rid of him because people say you should have just cut him. You can't cut him because the money would have been way, way too much. So you had to ride it out regardless with, with Bakhtiari this year. So you, you, you took your lumps and it just didn't happen. But now – I think it, for all we talk about, we talk about Matt LaFleur, we talk about schemes, we talk about Jordan Love, we talk about the wide receivers and the blocking and everything else and the defensive side and philosophies and lineups. And I think it, we just keep circling back to who are the playmakers? Who are the playmakers? And if you don't have playmakers, then I think where the fingers were pointed at Joe Barry and pointed at Matt LaFleur and pointed at, you know, certain certain players and certain coaches and schemes and the loss of coaches, I still keep thinking to myself, do if everything was back, if they were all intact, if you still had Getze and you still had Nathaniel Hackett and you, you still had, you know, Steno was running the offensive line and you still had Butkus doing, you know, if all of that was there, is there enough talent here to win? And I think right now with what we've seen, you'd probably have to go, man, I don't know. Would you agree? I think there's enough talent to be a little bit better than this. You, you know, if you if you take this season and you play it, you know, five or ten times, I, I think there's, you know, realities where Jair and, and David Bakhtiari are healthy and they play really well and Aaron Jones doesn't miss time and, and you win, you know, maybe that game against the Falcons or one of the games between Vegas and Denver. I, I don't know that the team is fundamentally closer to winning a Super Bowl, but I, I think there's there's different realities if you play the season over and simulate it a bunch of times. I, I think there are better outcomes, but but not close to a Super Bowl contender. No. Win more games, sure, yeah. but not win a championship. No doubt. All right, let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. I uh, got another one coming back. And then uh, the last segment of the show, always What Do We Miss? That's coming up. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show continuing on. Don't forget, coming up tonight, 6 to 8. 6 to 8 tonight, we're going to be on the air, and uh, the Bill Michaels huddle is going to take place. Take a look around uh, the NFL. Uh, look at the uh, Green Bay Packers, who are back on the practice field today, getting ready for the Chargers coming up this weekend. Mike Clemens will join us from up in Green Bay, inside the locker room now, as a matter of fact, I believe. And uh, we'll chat with Mike coming up a little bit later on tonight as well. Uh, this one is from Sean. Sean says, uh, Hey guys, uh, let's not forget that Rashawn Gary is coming back off of injury. I can kind of forgive him for not racking up the stats, but what is Preston Smith's reason? And Sean, he has not put up big numbers in the last two years. 
So he had always been cyclical. One year he'd be down, the next year he's up, then he, then he's down, then he's up, then he's down, then he's up. If you look at his numbers throughout his career, it's kind of been like that. I don't know. It, now, I was critical of Rashawn Garrett, or excuse me, of uh, Preston Smith earlier this season. But the one thing I have noticed is they, when they were just kind of coming after you, and it was the, the Smith brothers, right? They were just crashing the edges. And what teams have begun to do is they'll run in that direction, and then if you don't set the you set the edge, then you kind of screw up the defense because it leaves guys hanging out the dry once you get outside of contain. And he's been pretty good at setting contain, but you're not getting the statistics, the sacks, the pressures and such by just setting up contain. So I don't know what his directives are. I don't know if that's a Joe Barry thing. I don't know if that's just him in general. I don't know if he's just slowed down a step to where he can't get the same amount of pressure. I don't know if it's because Rashawn Gary isn't doing his thing on one side, which means they have to focus over there as opposed to Preston Smith on the other. I, I, I don't specifically know. I know there have been times this year where I've been more impressed in the fact that he has set the edge for contain, but it's still – not equating to pressures and to sacks. And this is something that Brian Gutekinds was very adamant about during the offseason of saying we need to get pressure on quarterbacks. We need, we have the talent. He was, he was very emphatic about that. We have the talent. We need to create more pressure. We need to hurry up the quarterback. That will enable, enable our secondary to be better. All of that. It all goes hand in hand, and I understand it, but they just haven't been able to do it. And they've been one of the worst teams when it comes to creating turnovers as well. So I, I, I don't know if that is part of the reason Rashawn Gary has not kind of, quote, lived up to expectation, but it has been statistically for him as well, not anywhere near the kind of season that they thought they would be getting out of Preston Smith, statistically, statistically. 877-867-1670. Here, here's ahead, a question man. for you, Bill, about Preston Smith. If the Packer, let's say uh, there's four games left in the season, the offense looks to be trending in the right direction, but this team isn't stacking up wins, and and this is very much a rebuilding year. Do we think we should see a little more Lucas Van Ness over Preston Smith in those last couple games? I, I kind of want to see that guy play. Yeah, you want to see what he's got. I would agree with that. I mean, he's getting snaps, but I would agree with that. I'd like to see more of him as well. I mean, that that's the guy that you, you went after, man. That, yeah. that's That's your dude. The, so the thing about Gary, they, they, they drafted him and the Smith brothers were here. So, okay, you just you invested in two edge rushers. Gary's not going to play right away. That's not the case now. Like, yeah, Preston Smith no. is a nice veteran, and I think he's very important to the locker room, but there's no reason we can't get Lucas Van Ness more run this season. I know he's played a little bit, yeah. but let's let him go out there and figure it out. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think he only played, you know, like a tick under 20 snaps in the game the other day. So, um, yeah, he's not being utilized a ton. Um, like Preston Smith, I'm just kind of pulling these numbers up. Preston Smith played 46 snaps, 71% of the snaps. Lucas Van Ness played 19, 29 point, or 29% of the snaps in that last game. Rashawn Gary, 44 snaps, which was 68% of the snaps. Well, you had uh, Devondre Campbell, Owens, Valentine, Valentine, all playing 65 percent of the snaps or 65 snaps which was 100 percent of the snaps those guys played every snap every down um yeah 
um, McDuffie was playing the linebacker position. He played 58 snaps, which was 89% of the snaps, Isaiah, Isaiah McDuffie. I'll tell you this. The other guy that I've liked, and they haven't used him a ton of consistency-wise, but Engabari, he seems to be just kind of like growing a little bit. Played only 21 snaps, which was 32%. But statistically speaking, he's he's been a little bit of a a, hand, a handful when he's been in there. Um, now, uh, Lucas Van Ness, by the way, for as little snaps as he played, he did have a tackle for loss. He did have three combined tackles. Um, Angabari, trying to see what he did. Did he even record a, a tackle? Thought he had a pressure. Uh, no, nothing. Nothing he, recordable. He would be a, a down lineman, technically, based on the conversation we've had <laughs> the last few days. Angabari would be. <laughs> Uh, but then again, I mean, I look at it this way. The Packers defensively, they got off the field most of the time on third down. So it wasn't, it wasn't crazy. They had four of 13 on, th- on third down. They held the Pittsburgh Steelers to 30.8%. And that's a good day. That's not a bad day at all for what they did. It just, again, the offense just couldn't, couldn't muster enough, man. Couldn't, their, their drive chart for the, for the Packers they had the touchdown, which was 10 plays, 69 yards. Beautiful. Then they came right back, three plays, two yards, punted it away. Then they come back with seven plays, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Then three plays, six yards, and out, end of the first half. Then 11 plays, 31 yards, field goal. Nine plays, 68 yards, field goal. Then after that, three plays. In the fourth quarter, they ran 10, uh, 22 plays. For they gained yardage, but they got picked. They 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 had two drives, really three that they could have gotten something going, but that that second drive of the fourth quarter, six plays, thirteen yards, they punted it away. They started um, the the line of scrimmage was the twenty two of them, their own twenty two, and then they went six plays, sixty one yards down to the Pittsburgh fourteen before they got picked, and then. Seven plays, 65 yards to the Pittsburgh 16 before they got picked. So the two interceptions really to end the ball game were just so incredibly detrimental because they just couldn't muster a drive that would be consistent in the, uh, in the fourth quarter of that game. It, I mean, ultimately it came down to the fourth quarter, and, and Pittsburgh made enough plays to stop the, the Packers from what it is they wanted to do. Otherwise, if either one of those balls don't get picked, Maybe the outcome of that game is different, and we feel a little bit different sitting here today as it is. This portion of the program brought to you by our good friends over there at uh, Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Don't forget, call them 855-PELLA-WI for your free in-home consultation. What did we miss? That is coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The all-new Potawatomi Casino Hotel has something you gotta see. Play more slots and games, and you could say, show me the money, to reveal up to 10 grand each Thursday. 800,000 in prizes is up for grabs. 40 winners each week. This October and November at Potawatomi, Milwaukee, when you're ready to win, just say, show me the money. More info at PaysBig.com. Must be 21 years old and a club member to play.
Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. Final segment before we get out of here. Reminding you, coming up tonight, we got the Bill Michaels Huddle from uh, 6 to 8 tonight. We're going to be here. Talking Packers, uh, we'll hear, hear from uh, Matt LaFleur, Jordan Love, inside the Packers locker room. Mike Clemens going to be joining us. We'll look around the rest of the NFL as well. And uh, on Sunday, a reminder that uh, we're going to be at Burkle's, one block over. Come on by and say hi. The old champions uh, right behind uh, Stadium View. So come on by and say hello. We're looking forward to that. Hopefully we're talking about a Packers victory. We are then going to be doing the Green and Gold postgame show from, uh, I'll be in Rhode Island, but uh, they play on Thanksgiving Day, taking on the Detroit Lions, and we'll give you the Green and Gold postgame show immediately following that. But some of the other upcoming dates, we just solidified, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and I want to check this here, and I shouldn't do this while I'm on the air, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care. Um, Yes, we are going to be back in lacrosse coming up on January 10th. We just solidified that date. So we're going to be back on the 13th of December, We'll be in Viroqua, Wisconsin. Uh, don't forget New Year's Eve. We're going to be at Boondocks Barbecue Burgers and Brews with a Green and Gold watch party and then the Green and Gold postgame show right up until midnight when we ring in the new year of 2024. So we're going to be out on the road quite a bit coming up over the next couple of months. And then ultimately we're going to be in Vegas for the Super Bowl this upcoming season. So we, all of that. we got a lot of great stuff coming up that's on the docket coming very soon so uh, just always stay tuned and always pay attention because who knows we could end up in a in a town near you and hopefully you can come out and say hello all right it's time what do we miss so we talked about this about 40 minutes ago just to bring it up one more time because it's important uh quay walker returned to practice today he's been dealing with a groin injury jair alexander's not back and we'll hear more from matt lafleur directly about this tonight but the quote that i saw is the shoulder is quote getting better but still not ready I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you, Bill, if you could have one of these guys back this weekend, if, if you wanted to win a game, and that was truly the goal, you needed to get a win this weekend, you could only have Jair or Quay Walker. Which one do you think would make more of a difference? Quay Walker, he's a tackler, and Jair yeah. has not proven this year that he's he's much. A um, couple of good games out of Jair, but we've you know even early in the season, we saw him get lit up a little bit. Uh, quarterback passer rating against him was well over 140 for a while. Uh, and Quay Walker, I mean, I know the argument to, to Quay Walker is, well, he's making tackles downfield, but he's tackling. At least he's sideline to sideline. And I want to continue to see him grow to see what they have in him. So if I had to have one back this weekend, I would love to see both Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker back on the field. I think I would agree with you because you know what? Corey Ballantyne and, and Carrington Valentine actually – did okay. I know it's against Kenny Pickett and the Steelers aren't some high-flying passing attack, but right. they were aggressive. They were sticky. They were fine. And the Packers don't have anyone who can tackle. So I think I would say the same thing. Uh, another thing that we missed today, uh, or I guess this was last night, Chris Haynes, Bleacher Report, uh, reporting that Alex Caruso, the player in, in Chicago, the stud defender, bald guy, funny-looking guy, uh, he's with the Bulls, would be a great addition to the Bucks. And I know a lot of people feel that way. That was the quote in his story. Mm-hmm. Chris Haynes doesn't talk to front offices. He doesn't really talk to execs. He talks to players. So I would bet you any amount of money, Bill, that that messaging is coming from Giannis or Dame or both. Giannis wants the Bucks. They 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 want to beef up their defense, and they're right. they're feeding that to an an insider like Chris Haynes. I thought that was interesting. I would it, first of all, I agree with you. It would not shock me that maybe that's a suggestion that's been made. 
Um, but I, <laughs> it's the damnedest thing because you wanted a guy like Dame to come into the organization knowing he is a defenseless human being. And I don't mean that negative. I just mean that the guy is an offensive guy. He's a guy that can take the last shot. He's a guy that you want the ball in his hands. You know, you you bolster that big three with Dame and Giannis and Chris Middleton. But in doing so, you don't have a junkyard dog. You don't have a defender. Now you got Crowder has gone down for two months when he was just starting to look like he was going to be fitting into this whole system in some way, shape, or form and starting to play decent. So I – I can understand how they need defense. But if you're looking outside of the organization for defense, it's it's an admittance that you don't have anybody in the building that you can rely upon, and that's disappointing. No perimeter defenders. I mean, you love Brooke no. Lopez, you love Giannis, but Giannis is out with a calf. That was just announced within right. the last hour. He's not playing tonight, so we're going to see exactly you know how bad this defense is without Giannis kind of covering all the ground as a help side defender and – and as a rim protector. And, there's, and what's really odd is there's, you know, I, mean, I know we had Jim Ozarski on yesterday and talked about the age of Brooke Lopez, uh, but Brooke has been, his minutes haven't been where you would, you would think they would be. Now, I don't know if they're saving him for later because they're going to need him down the stretch, specifically in the postseason where maybe he got a little bit tired, but he had one of his best seasons ever last year. Mm-hmm. His shooting percentage was up. His threes were up. I mean, his defense was up. I mean, he was tremendous. And I just can't believe that he's just like sometimes guys you can begin to see the erosion. But I can't believe that he has just fallen off the map the way they're using him. Well, and minutes fluctuate with a traditional center in today's NBA. Right. It just depends on the matchup because if the other team's trying to go small, you might have to meet him and go small. And Giannis is so effective as a five in smaller lineups. It just depends. Right. Like, the first time they play the Sixers, Brooke Lopez is going to need a lot of run. Against Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. it, it's it's very matchup dependent. Yep. One baseball thing, I thought this was fun. I wanted to circle this and ask you about it. Shohei Otani odds. Uh, this is from Fox and the odds coming through Bear Bets Pod. Uh, but this is put out by Fox Bet. The odds to sign Shohei Otani: the Dodgers are the favorites at plus one ten. Then the Cubs plus three fifty. Then the Giants plus six fifty. The Yankees, the Mets, the Rangers, the Red Sox also on the list. What do you think about that? Um, I. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a kick in the head if Otani ends up in Chicago with the Cubs? Yes. That suddenly the Cubs go out and just pay him this. Now, he just turned down a qualifying offer for, what, 20-something million a year. Uh, He just turned that down, I read. But uh, wouldn't it be a kick in the head to leave Milwaukee where they couldn't even be in that discussion to go to Chicago where they're like, okay, we'll do it. We're going to pay this kind of money even if he can't throw. We'll just make him the DH. And it it would make sense because – especially playing in Chicago, that guy would, and in this division, the way he can hit, he would be driving balls out of every ballpark on the consistent um, playing for the Cubs and in the National League Central. It would make sense. And then eventually after next year, you add him back to the roster as a pitcher, and if he can still throw the way he did, the guy's phenomenal. I mean, can you imagine all the things that they can do with him down there? And it just makes me sick to think about, to be honest with you. (laughs) Craig Council have a lot of sleepless uh, sleepless nights thinking about managing Shohei Otani's arm coming off of Tommy John. Knowing the way that Council thinks, he's like, ah, you threw four innings, you look good, I'm going to yank you out of there, buddy. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go any farther. That's about all that we missed today. Tomorrow, uh, we might have another guest joining. I'm working on a couple people, but we're going to do fantasy football with Charch at noon. And then Ben Steele, who covers Marquette for the Journal Sentinel, going to join oh, us okay. at 1145. Talk a little college basketball that's not uh, terrible right now as the Badgers were last yep. night. 
Yeah, Marquette, uh, very quietly, top 10 in the country uh, for people that aren't paying attention. And I know not a lot of people outside of the uh, the area of Milwaukee pay attention to Marquette basketball, but top 10 in the country, and they look really good. And what Shaka Smart has done has been he's put that train back on the track big time, and he's brought some talent in. So pay attention to what Marquette's doing for sure. Hey, one other thing. Uh, that uh, they're talking about a possibility of a new playoff format in Major League Baseball. Uh, they've got, uh, what is it, the owners' meetings uh, right now this week in Arlington, Texas, and they're talking about another addition to the playoff format in uh, the postseason in Major League Baseball. So they say they don't really expect it to happen this coming year, but they're talking about tweaking things uh, down the road. I, I'm not in favor of this. Uh, especially if they're talking about adding on any more games or series and such, but they're talking about changing it again, and they they want to they want to expand it, so to speak. And I don't see how they're going to do it unless they just decide, hey, we're we're going to shorten the season. But you know, we'll see. But they're talking about doing that right now down in Arlington, Texas, as well. So there you go. Coming up tonight, I know we have Mike Clemens going to be joining us. We'll talk with him. We'll hear from inside the uh, Green Bay Packers locker room. We're going to look around the rest of the NFL, make our picks tonight. The Bill Michael Suttle, 6-8, to eight, right back here this evening. So we hope to see you back if you can. Otherwise, spread the word to those who aren't here now. Join us coming up tonight. Until then, until then, until we talk again in, what, four hours? There you have it. Time for us to go. Have a going. Hoop. Hoop.